Now, without further ado, would you stand with me this morning and welcome with me our senior pastor, Thank you very much. I feel like I'm in some big show or something. Very, very fun to see everybody here. We didn't know what to expect of the children's ministry not flourishing this morning, but you brought your kids and they're busy coloring. And I know some of you adults will probably be coloring as well, so you don't fall asleep during my sermon, but we'll be good. Okay, everybody, uh, we're going to be turning to Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans are in John 13. But let me just say this. On behalf of Lois and myself, Pastors Jenny and Jess, Pastors Cameron and Jen, thank you for all the wonderful pastor appreciation cards and texts and all those good things uh, for this last month. I also want to say thanks for the birthday cards and uh, me turning the big... 7-0, and uh, I, I have to share this one card, this is, it says, how is this card, how is this birthday card like your nose, and it's got a picture of a little kid with his finger up his nose, and it says, it was carefully picked. I want to tell you who said that, but I'm expecting some special cookies for that. <laughs> Actually, this person brought a cheesecake, but I was out of town, so Jim took it home and ate it. <laughs> okay. This morning, we're starting, and he said, by the way, this, that was really quick, wasn't it? I have 45 minutes to speak or more. I'm going to just take it for a while. Anyway. Uh, let me just say, we're starting a new series. This is, actually this is Legacy Month. We started this last year. And our series uh, title for this next few weeks is called All In. And uh, I, I want to tell you where God's taking us now and into the next year before we get into the scriptures. Because I want you to know that God's calling us as a church to a greater level of commitment because the harvest was greater than ever before. So harvest is the most fun part of the Christian life and of farming, but it's also the hardest time in labor. It's all hands in the field right now. So when it comes to gathering people from all walks of life, we need everybody involved. All right? Let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, or whatever else you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer. Uh, declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith I can do what this says I can do. I can be all that says I can be, and I can have all that says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it 
in my life so I can make your change by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, let's just give the Lord a big hand for His word. Number one, 
We want to bless our city kids with Christmas gifts, don't we?
Read those words with me again. Healthy, growing, and full of love. When every person is doing and using the gifts that God created you for, there's nothing like a healthy, growing, and full of love church. When we're not using our gifts, we're not growing, we're not healthy, and we're not full of love. All right? Now that word special work, in the Greek, it's energia, and it means energy, efficiency, productivity, and the New Testament, in the New Testament, uses it only a superhuman power. So that means anyone who's gifted, who's got talents, you did not get them on your, on your own. God gave them to you, and you have a responsibility to use them in this generation before you pass on. No one can do what God created you to do, all right? And when everybody in the body is doing it, it's very healthy. So I, I want to say this. Churches are much like communities. Healthy communities is where there's high employment. And when there's un unemployment, it becomes less healthy. And so we want to become a church where everybody's doing their part and we become healthy and full of love. Okay. So how do we discover our own special gift? You're not going to like this probably, but write this down. We serve our way into it. That's how you find your special gift. Some of you are saying, I don't have any gifts. Start serving and you'll find it. The Bible is full of paradoxes. At first it seems like a contradiction, but it is really a truth. A contradiction is sometimes like, if you walk outside today and it's freezing cold and walk back in and say, it's hotter than blazes out there. I mean, that's a contradiction. It's freezing cold out there. But <clears throat> a paradox is a truth in the Bible that seems contradictory, but actually portrays a greater truth uh, hidden in those words. For instance, they should be on your notes, but if not, just let me read these kingdom paradoxes. The last will be first. So those of you that are sitting up there on top trying to hide, <laughs> just like snow, God's got your number. <laughs> the least will become the greatest. In other words, the humble. The weak become strong. And then it says, in my weakness, the strength is perfected. The foolish confound the wise. Aren't you amazed every week when somebody's up there speaking? Yeah. How confounds the wise. <laughs> Those who give it all away end up with the most. Those who lean on to everything lose what they have. And those who lose their life for Christ's sake find it. That's the Bible for you. Completely opposite of the way the world thinks. So here's what I want to unpack for us for a little bit this morning. <clears throat> and that's what Jesus said. He said, write this down, if you want to be the greatest in God's kingdom, you must be the servant of all. The boys, the disciples, they were arguing one day about who was going to be the greatest. In fact, it was two brothers named James and John. I always think they're more like Pinky and Stud, but you know. Anyway. <laughs> They are talking to their, and then they talk to their mom and negotiating with Jesus about letting them 
on the throne sitting next to Jesus, one on the right and one on the left, and Jesus kind of rebukes them for it and tells them they don't really know what they're asking for. <clears throat> but then he makes this statement in Mark 10, verse 43. He says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So right here we have Jesus' job description. His job description throughout Scripture is defined in the New Testament, and we know it is this. <clears throat> he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he gave and empowered you and me with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the same thing. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. No matter how bad life seems, if you've got Jesus, you've got abundant life. And he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, uh, for all who believe. Now, it tells us in the beginning of John 13 that Jesus loved his disciples to the end. So let me give you a couple points about the kind of love that Jesus shows us. It's not on your notes. You might want to write this down though. Love can be an emotion, but it is always an action. Love sometimes is what you feel, but it is always what you do. So how do we know Jesus loved them? It tells us he served them. Love is what we do. And I just want to make this clear. Everybody serves in different ways and has different giftings. So don't put people in a box based on your giftings. Alright? Serve with the way God created you to do. Alright? Now, Jesus serves them and you need to know He's still serving people today. Jesus is still serving us today. I want you to hear this. Jesus fed them and he's feeding you. Jesus housed them and he's housing you. Jesus protected them and he's protecting you. Jesus provided for them and he's providing for you and providing for you. So I was Our God is still serving today. If you're an unbeliever like Judas was, we need to remember this. Jesus loved and served them all. I was convicted when I was studying this out. Here's the second thing about love. Love does what no one else will do. He is a perfect picture of humility. It tells us in Philippians that Jesus is in heaven. He's served by all the angels day and night continually. There were no coffee breaks for those angels. I've got a great staff, but they don't have angel wings. No. <laughs> but it tells us, Jesus gets up from his throne and comes to earth to be among us and serve us. It's, it's mind-blowing to me. On the last night of Jesus' life, in John 13, before he goes to the cross, he comes into a dinner called the Last Supper. You might, are, is anybody familiar with the painting of the Last Supper? That was painted by Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, 
Jesus is still loving his enemies and inviting them to be his friends. It doesn't matter what you've done, Jesus is willing to serve you. In fact, Jesus takes unloving, betraying people, serves them, forgives them, and get this one, he makes them part of his family. I just want to take a moment, because we're not having a big overcoat today and all that kind of stuff. I want everybody to everybody close. I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what you're, you're, you're saying this morning. Well, you don't know my background. How could Jesus serve me? I want you to know, if he could serve Jesus and those 12, 11 other disciples, he came to serve you. He came from heaven to earth. He washed their feet with water, but he came to wash us with his blood. And if you don't know Jesus today, I want to give you that opportunity right now to know Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. You can say, you know, I don't even know how I ended up here. Someone dragged me into this place. I don't know. But whatever it might be, I want you to know, Jesus is here to serve you and give you salvation. And if that's you, just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I need Jesus Christ. Rise and high. Don't roll back. I'm not seeing any hands. There's one. Is there another one? There's two. Do you understand 
what I was doing? And the answer would have been, yes, Lord. You just did the most humble act that we can possibly comprehend in our culture. It felt awkward, I'm sure. In fact, it felt so awkward that Peter had a reaction. He said, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. You know what Jesus said? If you don't allow me to serve you, you're going to go to hell. That's what he said. You know what Peter said? Not, my, not just my feet, my hands, my head also. But I want to say this. A lot of times what we do is we dictate to Jesus how we want to be served. Don't tell Jesus how to serve you. Accept his service. And then it says, Jesus said this, verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, this is not something that I say that we're supposed to do in church or whatever. Some people do. But it's a cultural uh, thing that we don't do, but it's an attitude of heart that everyone of us need to have. Let me ask this question. Have any of you ever been in a foot washing service? If you have, raise your hand. Just a few. I've been in two in my lifetime. I had a pastor wash my feet and betrayed the church with adultery. And then I was at a uh, men's deal uh, in Colorado with a group of guys. It's called Promise Keepers. And there was ten of us from Mark from the church was pastoring at the time. And somebody starts washing a guy's feet. And the next thing I know, my dad is on his knees taking my shoes and socks off. He starts praying over me and he starts saying, you are my son, but you are my pastor. I felt like Peter. I tried to say, Dad, no, Dad, don't. And he said, as he looked up at me, I need to do this. Then he prayed over my life. I was bawling. The other nine guys were bawling. Because when you serve, it changes the atmosphere. Let me tell you what will happen if all of us pick up a towel. And we serve others. I think it's on your notes, but I want you to know this. I don't know of any church where 100% of the people pick up a towel and serve others. But when we do, it will change the world. See, the problem with the church in America today is this. Let's just give them a little big hand. that for people he came to die for. I want you to know 
I do think we are a very healthy church, but I believe we can be healthier. And I believe we can be, we can love better. We can love others better, and we're going to need to do that as we move into this next column that God's put on Harbor City Church. So when we serve others, under us, here's what happens. Number one, the body, the church, becomes healthy and growing and full of love. We read that earlier. Number two, we continually discover and develop our unique giftings. We all need to remember, we never outgrow serving. So let me also say, you stop growing when you stop serving. When, 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 uh, or what happens when we serve is that it develops the gifting within us. But usually, where you are serving is not your permanent position. You start serving by doing janitorial work. Hear me. See, many of you don't know this, but my dad is a gas station owner. I started working at the gas station when I was 10 years old, learning to wash cars and clean bathrooms. So don't think I'm above it. I'm not. If it needs to be done, I'll do it. And I remember washing those bathrooms. I remember one day my mom said to me, I think God's preparing you for ministry. So you move from janitorial, and then another door might open up. You become an usher, a door greeter, a parking lot attendant, or a barista. I see that barista position in my future, actually. <laughs> As you and I say yes to the doors that God opens up in our lives, new levels of serving will come into your life like never before. And fulfillment will begin to take place because of gifts being developed. Sometimes you have to serve when and where it feels awkward. This is where God stretches us. We'd rather avoid these types of things. Some of you have testimonies that people need to hear. But you're afraid to get up in front of all these people. I understand. You guys don't know this. Every single week. I'm shaking in my boots to get up here. Do you know why? Because I know I'm speaking for God. And I don't want to miss it. When uh, I got into this position, by the way, by saying yes to being a Sunday school teacher, lost my together for the youth. Then by saying yes to become a small group leader, to adults. I'll never forget, we were part of that group that were like 15, 16 adults. The, the week that I took over, one adult came. One besides us. And Lois and I did that for 12 years as volunteer youth, youth people, doing small groups, and whatever else we were asked to do. Then a position opened up to come on staff to be a youth pastor. And I did that for two years. And I want you to know in that two years, there were many times when I went into the bathrooms, we didn't have a gender. Thank God for Lynn. Yep. Yeah. 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 
dollars and they stuck and I was mean. <laughs> then after a couple of years, the lead pastor decided they wanted to step down and ask if I would take his place. I'm getting an abbreviated version of the sponsor for today. But anyway, over that, over the last 34 years, I've served in two churches. And I'm still growing, and I'm still developing, and my gifting is growing, and my faith is growing, and I know there's many more changes to come. I want to just say this, I've learned you're never such a big deal that you're above serving. You're never too old that you're above serving. You might be too old to get on your knees like a bike, but to your knees, but there are still other ways to serve. What's amazing about Jesus is that he was serving on the last day of his life. On the last day of his life, he picked up a towel and served those who should have been serving him. And my prayer is that all of us will emulate Jesus in all we do. Here's number three. We become more like Jesus more than in any other practice or behavior. He said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So more than prayer, this is my book, some of you when I say this, more than prayer, more than Bible study, more than church attendance, when you and I serve, we are becoming more like Jesus, more than any other practice or behavior. Last night I was talking to Sean O'Neill, who was, who was serving many capacities, by the way, in our church, in our community, and uh, in young life. And he said this, he said, if you are on the fence about serving, you are unsure about your faith. And then he went on to say this, you cannot read the New Testament and the words of Jesus and be on the fence about serving others. That's Sean O'Neill. And he lives what he just said. Here's number four. We position ourselves and our lives for promotion because serving requires humility. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about the principle that is irrevocable. We talked about pride versus humility. The proud get knocked down and are resisted by God. But those who humble themselves before the Lord, they get exalted by the mighty hand of God. Promotion doesn't come from the North, the East, the West, or the South. It comes from the Lord. He puts up one and puts down another. It's all in the hand of God. So don't fret about America. Don't fret about all these things. Just humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt serves the Lord will be exalted. The greatest promotion in life is when you know God is the one calling you up, or should I say down, to service. We're not going to have an altar call today to lay hands on people to, to receive a heart to serve. What we're going to do is you should receive a piece of paper. There's a calendar on the front and on the back, there's several places where you can check off different giftings that you have. 
There's a quote by one of my Bible college professors, Dr. Ken Mullen. He said this, to know if you're truly a servant, see what comes out of your heart when someone treats you like one. Let me read that again. To know if you're truly a servant, see what comes out of your heart when someone treats you like one. That's one of those, whoa, quotes. When we serve in the five, those far from God see Jesus in his servants. I want to say this because in the text, if you read over the couple chapters, there were some priests that come to know Jesus Christ. Priests were the hardest ones to come to know Jesus because they were righteous based on what they did. But many priests came to know Christ. Do you know why? Because of the service they saw in the new believers. Service will change people's lives. Pick up, we pick up a towel every time people drive through those gates at Harbor City Church and they see Lynn and Merlin and others that get part of the parking team. They see their smiles and giving them directions and they see Jesus. Every time people walk into Harbor City Church and they receive a smile or a hug or a free coffee, they see Jesus. Every time someone takes them down to the children's area, even if it's not your responsibility. I've had many people come in, I introduce myself, I say they have kids, and then I take them down to the city kids' place where they can uh, put their kids into that ministry. And they'll look at me and say, thank you. They don't even know I'm the pastor. They find out later, and they go, oh my goodness. Everyone who serves in our children's ministry are letting those kids see Jesus. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Every tell you and I pick up to serve others is a revelation of Jesus to those who have never seen him yet. And I just want to say today, let's be the church that picks up the town. Come on. Brother Teresa, she served, she served those lepers in Calcutta. She prayed for them. They've never seen Jesus. They saw Jesus in her. We have water wells in Uganda that we took our teams to. Three-story uh, emergency unit that we built there. Those people will see Jesus and what you did. We're sending medicine and generators and blankets and food, solar stations, and clothes to the Ukraine. You don't even know this. And we've done it through Pastor Angel Pila about five different times and many others. And what happens is they go over there to that war-torn area and they end up those, those supplies and they see Jesus because of your love to them. You're giving one hundred and four thousand dollars to missions. Woo! Yeah. About four hundred thousand, or one hundred four thousand, about fifteen, twelve to fifteen thousand that come in from local missions. This year we're going to reverse it. This year, everything we do at that other end of the building will be to reach lost people. We're going to get global missions down this year so we can support teams up. Yeah. Yeah. 